0: Of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional.
1: Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington.
2: Good to be here. Got a uh, pretty interesting show, I think. (laughs) We'll we'll see what you think about it. But um, anyway, if you've uh, not been listening to this station before, my name is Bill Bullington. Uh, I'm here every week from 11 to 12 Saturday morning. And uh, we talk about uh, personal finance and investing. And I wanted to start today's show, though, uh, with a public service announcement. There is an organization, the Cleveland Grays uh, Armory Museum, that I really like a lot. Uh, It was built in the late 1800s. You may have seen it. It's at 1234 Boulevard Road. Uh, A lot of people use their parking lot when they go to an Indian game. But uh, at any rate, the Cleveland Grays Armory Museum, it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to preserving Ohio history and offering support to our country's active military and veterans. Cleveland Grace is tax-exempt, and it has a federal tax ID number. Uh, I guess I could skip that part. (laughs) But anyway, they're having an event on Sunday, October 1st, and they're going to be hosting their third annual Historic Tea. The event is expected to draw over 120 attendees, and it'll uh, feature a presentation by Patty Edmondson, She's a museum advisory curator of costume and textiles for the Western Reserve Historical Society. Uh, The presentation is called Tying the Knot, History of Western Wedding Fashion, Highlighting Wedding Fashion and Tradition. The event will be held at the Cleveland Graves Army Museum, located at 1234 Boulevard Road, Cleveland, Ohio, 44115, and the proceeds will benefit the Cleveland Graves. So this is pretty interesting. If you'd like more information on this, you can call Mary Olenick at 216-392-8687, or you can just email me at com, and I can forward you information on about this. I don't know if you've ever been to the Cleveland Grays. Uh, it, it used to be an armory, and it was built back in the late 1800s, and I think it's just uh, I just thought it was kind of cool. It's that building that looks like a castle. It's uh, right on the corner of Boulevard, uh, right on the corner of Boulevard Road, and going down uh, Boulevard. I think it's one street um, or two streets behind 9th Street. So pretty close to downtown, and a lot of people, like I said, they they have a tendency to park there and then go to Indians games when they're able to. They rent out their parking space there, but. Uh, to make a long story short, it's the building that looks like a castle. They're having an event and it should be pretty neat. The, uh, um, they're going to be showing fashion uh, that relates to weddings and it's going to be a kind of a history. And if you actually go through the museum, the museum itself, the building itself, is a museum. I mean, the, the cabinetry inside the building was built in the late 1800s. And back in those days, they were doing that all by hand. So it's really interesting to go and see all the intricate work that was done there. But uh, so again, it's a historic tea. Uh, again, you can call me or go to the Cleveland Grays Armory, uh, dot org. That's their website, graysarmory.org, actually. Uh, and uh, anyway, if you have any questions, just feel free to hit me up with an email. I'd be glad to, uh, uh, to answer any for you. But uh, now that I've on my public service announcements and get back to the financial world and uh, you know I was just reading some articles and I'm just amazed that how many inconsistencies there are in professional articles these articles were coming out of major publications and uh, it just kind of reinforces why people like me still have a job uh, the authors of these articles are very well-meaning they're very well trained, uh, but they're journalists. They don't really manage money. And oftentimes the way that they're phrasing the uh, information, even if it's correct, it, it can be misleading. And that's one of the most difficult parts about this business, I'm, I'm telling you. When you're looking at investments and finance, it is it can get complicated in a hurry. And uh, just Incredibly important, I think, to have somebody you can talk to about it. And uh, even if it's just to bounce ideas off of, uh, I'm looking at uh, the investments that, even this relatively simple one, you know, I'm, I'm always talking about these fixed index annuities. Why? Because somebody who's going to be full Social Security age next year, that's 67 now, and wants to start taking Social Security. And wants to retire and generate as much income as they can from their portfolio, this might be something that would be a really good fit. And you could be like me, I'm seven years away from that, and I bought mine two years ago because I have a guaranteed schedule that by the time I'm 67, I know that I will be able to turn that on, that income bond. And it's a lot. I mean, to have been able to earn that kind of money in the stock market over the same time period, that you're asking a lot for that. So like in the example that I was just talking about, here's somebody who's 66, they're going to be 67 next year, and they're going to turn Social Security on. So if they put $100,000 into one of these annuities, and the reason I use $100,000 is because it keeps the math relatively simple. You could do, I think the minimum is $25,000 but you could go up to a million, whatever you want to do. $100,000 makes it relatively simple. That's for $100,000. Next year, when I'm uh, ready to retire, I'm going to get $7,154 guaranteed lifetime income. Now, this is from, it's a product from Nationwide. So if you want to go to the website and see exactly what I'm talking about, send me an email, bill at blinkencapital.com. I'll send you the link and you can play around with it yourself. Because I know not everybody is earning uh, sixty seven. I mean you could be any age to invest in it. There's a schedule that is guaranteed, there's a ten year schedule. But so in each one of those years, it goes up a little bit, the guarantee goes up. But once you reach that age and you start taking that income, it it, it flattened out, it's not gonna go up each year after you've taken it. Just wanna make that clear. For somebody that was 66, Today, could to get $7,154 a year off of a $100,000 investment, that's pretty good. That's really good as far as I'm concerned. That's incredibly difficult to average in the stock market, especially where stocks are now. Uh, stocks are not underpriced at all. They're right in the realm of normal. Now what does that mean? Well, if they go to the bottom of normal it's probably going to be down about 25% or so. And there's nothing saying that it could not go lower than that. At that point in time, stocks would be undervalued. It, personal opinion here, just FYI, if stocks were to go up another 25% from here and get, oh, uh, well, okay, we were actually slightly on the high end and now they're slightly higher on the high end. Um, that could be really rough if that was when you were retiring and you were expected to take income and then the market goes from relatively overvalued to relatively undervalued that means it's dropped a lot <laughs> and that would um, that would definitely affect your retirement income big time uh, it would increase the risk significantly and with these types of products that kind of stuff is, it's on a schedule so uh, nationwide's got to pay you know and whatever insurance company is a lot of those insurance companies have these types of products, this just happens to be my favorite, but the uh, there are a lot of good companies out there that have the same types of products, and they're guaranteeing the income no matter what happens to the stock market, and oftentimes, they'll give you options of, of the different things that you can invest in, but uh, this one, for me, is, uh, I, you know, put the money in there And just feel good that you've got nationwide one of the bigger insurance companies. It's very highly rated. Uh, They're also one of the larger pension fund managers. That's what's important to me about that, is that these guys have actuaries that have been doing this for decades, actually probably as long as I've been alive. And uh, so it's it's a good thing. You know, The bottom line is it's something to consider uh, when you get ready to start taking income from your retirement. If you're within 10 years, of thinking that you might be taking income, you should probably take a look at it. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about it, just again send me an email. I'll send you a link. If you want to set up an appointment to talk about it, that's not a problem. Um, mostly on the phone at first, and uh, but it's however you're comfortable. You can come into the office or we talk on the phone. So just thought I would uh, bring that up because it is the uh, you know it's, it's pretty good. You've got a uh, Guaranteed level of income—that's incredibly difficult to do. This is actually the only way I know of that you can do that with a highly reputable company, and there are bunches of them out there. Again, like I said, this is just my favorite. And uh, um, oh, by the way, that product—they give you a schedule, and if you want to go online and take a look at it, again, hit me with an email or a call. Um, If you didn't take the seven thousand one hundred fifty-four dollars. Uh, when you're 67, when you're 68, it goes to 7824. If you don't take it then it goes to 8,541. So each year that you're not taking the income, the guaranteed income level is going to go up a little bit. So I'll leave that alone and um, get back to uh, talking about stock market in general. By the way, you know what's really interesting is the, uh, the overall market, is acting uh, weaker than stocks on the inside. And what do I mean by that? Well, I run these scans. And scans are uh, uh, basically a set of criteria. And it's it's essentially how I work uh, with everything. I have to have a set of criteria for what I want for this particular portion of my money. And if I'm looking at... uh, uh, individual stocks, the reason I'm looking at them, is I have a, it's a super small percentage of my portfolio, portfolio anymore. But I like to buy stocks that are in uh, long-term trend or at least have exhibited during long-term trends. Now, long-term when you're following trends is typically uh, 90 days to a year. That, that's individual stocks when you're trend-following. This is not all individual stocks. I've got, oh, Procter & Gamble, and I'm not selling it. I'm just not selling it. uh, (laughs) I've held on to it for quite a while. I've got a a relatively low cost basis in it and paying a dividend. I understand their products. I'm not selling it. That's basically how it works. So it was a value when I got it. I felt like it was undervalued. And now I feel like it's kind of fairly valued, so that's okay. Uh, if it got super overly valued, I'd probably let it go. But, the, uh, but I don't, I, I, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, so I'm not going to worry about it. And um, um, Yeah, so that, that's a different type of stock altogether. That when people talk about value investing, when I bought it, the price-to-sales ratio was at the low end of its average over the past 10 years. The price-to-earnings ratio, low end of its average over the past 10 years. The uh, dividend yield was higher than the average stock and growth, so it had a lot of characteristics that I like from a financial standpoint. The other thing is that I I feel like I understand the company. uh, I use their products all the time, especially Tide. Boy, they keep raising the prices on that stuff, too. Incidentally, that's why the uh, companies do so well, because companies that produce products that you have to use. I mean, well, you don't have to wash your clothes, I guess, but that you know most people are going to use quite a bit. Those are uh, consumer uh, consumables. The uh, consumable is another word for buying a lot all the time, uh, or at least it could be interpreted that way, uh, because that's the way I'm interpreting it. So something you'd buy a lot of uh, pretty regularly. You know, it could be dishwashing, detergent, and all that kind of stuff. Um, That's what Procter & Gamble makes, the vast majority of their products are. So, unless people quit washing their clothes, they're probably not going to quit needing those products. And as long as they continue to do a good job, uh, then they should be able to raise prices to keep up with inflation and uh, protect their profit margin and keep paying that dividend. And that's what you want to look for when you're looking at an individual stock, uh, somebody who's got a future where they have some control over the prices that they can charge and can have a uh, control over the uh, profit margins and the profitability. So it's pretty good. Uh, and at the time when I was investing in it, it was actually a lot lower than a lot of the others. I'm not even sure why it was, but uh, uh, bottom line, that, that's basically called value investing. Now. When, when you're looking at your entire portfolio, you're getting close to retirement age. I don't think the individual stocks should make up more than fifteen or twenty percent of your portfolio. That's my personal opinion. Okay, why? Because individual stocks move really fast. I mean, incredibly fast. And you nor your advisor are going to have enough time to keep up with that. You just won't. They move too fast now. What you should do is, if that's the kind of investing that you like to do, you like brand names that have good financials, are paying dividends. There are several funds out there that are looking for those exact stocks. One of them has as little as 50 stocks in it. That's one of the ones that I use. I like it. I really like it a lot. And I know it's being monitored and it's being managed 24/7. Um, every day every business day so when the market when the markets' open somebody's watching that fund or something I just have uh, been told I got about 15 seconds before I have to take a break this is bill Bullington I'm right here on 1420 every Saturday morning from 11 to noon go to my website BullingtonCapital.com if you'd like more information and I will be right back after these messages
0: Mira mirror, mirror mirror on the
3: They're really important, and I don't mind saying so. Or even getting called the ragged man by my boys. You see, from my earliest days apprenticing with Lee Newberg, I learned about the four things required of a true professional plumber. Answer the phone when the customer calls, show up on time, do what you say you're going to do, and clean up your mess. That's it. And cleaning up your mess is one of the most important parts. It's one reason why Lee and I loved working for the older Eastern European ladies in Cleveland. They always had plenty of well-laundered rags, and they let us use them. It just made the job cleaner and easier. Plus, they were great ladies. You know, we've always been blessed with the best customers in Cleveland. Nowadays, my sons often find me by the washing machine at the office, cleaning and folding rags. That's how I got named the Rag Man, and I take it as a compliment because clean rags and plenty of them are an essential component to the Wallace doodle
1: experience. Consider it done at wildflowers.com From an idea that started in 1967, Our Lady of the Wayside has grown to serve almost 900 children and adults with developmental disabilities throughout Northeast Ohio. It's an operation that is still growing thanks to tremendous support and generous donations like the Wayside's car donation program. You can donate your ride to the Wayside for a great tax write-off by calling 1-800- 368-6262. The Wayside is also looking for people to join their team. They hire for attitude and train for skills. Visit thewayside.org to apply today.
0: Call 330-573-8147 for more details. Or you can visit our website at vacationfixation.com. Or check out the deal of the day on Facebook, Vacation Fixation.
2: Have you been praying and you still have no answers? Have you been praying? Well, welcome back. Your heart for so many years. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, if you'd like to set up a, a phone call or a phone meeting with me, you can go to my website, and it's bullingtoncapital.com. There's a contact us page. I'd be glad to reach out and see if uh, there's anything I could do to help. Um, and one of the things that I was talking about a little bit earlier today was the a fixed index annuity for income. And uh, there's, a, there's a reason for that. And I, I know a lot of people that, that don't like that and only like stocks. Well, that, that's fine if you're 40. Okay. If you're above the age of 50 and, and you've got 100% of your money in stocks, it's either because, A, you are super wealthy and it doesn't matter if you lose half your money, uh, or, B, you just don't know any better. And uh, yeah, could you make it? Maybe. But when you look at where the price to sales ratio is right now on the S&P 500, and I like price to sales ratio better than the price to earnings ratio. These are things that you look at to kind of get an idea of of whether or not you think the market's overpriced or underpriced. And it's kind of like price per square foot in real estate. If you're going to buy a house, You want to figure out what the price of square foot is and try to locate some other houses in the neighborhood uh, that are similar to yours and find out what they were selling for. So if you got a uh, 2,000 square foot home and it's selling for $200 a square foot, which is getting more and more common today, which is really wild. But anyway, uh, that would be a a $400,000 house. Does that make sense? So uh, 2,000 times 200, 400,000 bucks. And if you were looking at a house and it was only say um, uh, 150, the uh, that would be or might be a really good deal. You just have to go in into the house. You wouldn't just buy it based on the price loan. Some people would, but you know there might be some problems with that house, and that's why it's selling so inexpensively. But if one came out, and the average price per square foot was two hundred, and they're asking four hundred or five hundred. And uh, you would look at that, and go, yeah, I'm not so sure. I don't know that would be uh, a good deal. And price to sales ratio with stocks is very similar. So if a stock normally sells, uh, or the the stocks in their group would sell for, say, four times annual revenue, okay, if that's the average, and yours is selling at 10 times average revenue, or at 10 times they're trailing 12 months revenue. Yes. Yeah, so the average in their industry is selling at four years. This company is selling at 10. Well, they better be growing really fast, or they better have a, a much higher profit margin than the other companies in their industries, because you're potentially paying twice as much for that company. And that, that's a lot of confidence in that company. And I know this is probably uh, going over everybody's head because you're driving in your cars listening to this. But if you ever want to have a conversation about that, I think the, the next seminar that I do, I'm going to bring that up because it, it's pretty easy. Uh, I like price-to-sales ratio better than price-to-earning. Sales have a tendency to fluctuate a little slower than the profits do, which makes it a little easier, a little more reliable, slightly more reliable. Uh, in my opinion, anyway. So, uh, in you know, it's really, really difficult to mislead people on what your sales are because that, when in an audit, that's an easy one to catch. <laughs> so, uh, one of the reasons I like it, and it does give me a really good idea of how much value there is in the stock market right now. And, like I was saying a little bit earlier, if you are. Uh, say under 50 or less, and you've got more than 10 years to go for retirement, to retirement, then yes, you should probably have maybe 65, 70% of your money invested in stocks if you could think you could withstand a 30% minimum line that might take a couple years to make back. Okay? So if you're older than that, you probably should have 50% as a maximum in stocks if you don't have millions of dollars. If you have a few million and you don't uh, spend a whole lot, then, yeah, you can have all your money in stocks. If we can find dividend-paying stocks or dividend-paying stock funds, that would give you a, uh, a really nice dividend yield, I mean, around 3 3.5%, somewhere in that neighborhood, um, that are high-quality dividends and high-quality stocks. Uh, And actually, that number has come down quite a bit now that I think about it. It's really closer to two and three quarters percent. So if you got 10 million bucks, that's 275,000 a year in income just from the dividend. And, uh, but, you know, there aren't very many people that have 10 million bucks in their investment account. Um, pretty rare actually. So, uh, again, back to my earlier point, you might want to look at other, other ways of generating income from your portfolios. And I really think that the uh, indexed annuities have a big advantage over a lot of other products. Um, gotta, uh, again, it's a schedule that's guaranteed. It's higher than what most people... Most people, incidentally, are not going to earn the returns that they're guaranteeing in their stock portfolios. I promise you that. I've been doing this for 30-some-odd years now. And uh, it's very rare that a person does a whole lot better than average, and the average is is nowhere near seven <laughs> percent. It's actually a couple percent lower than that, and uh, that's why people like Warren Buffett, who you know, I think for the first thirty or forty years, he he averaged above twenty percent a year, uh, and it wasn't every year, by the way. Uh, the higher your returns are, the more volatility, more fluctuation your portfolio has a tendency to have. And uh, all the, I can't believe how many courses I purchased when I was a young man from people who were selling stuff that's saying, oh, yeah, the high returns were available without all the risk. You know, I didn't know any better. So I, I would buy these programs and study them, uh, use them, and then find out that they didn't work like they said they did. Some of them didn't work at all. So I got really upset, and I spent the better part of three years learning how to code. I bought all this software, and had to pay for all this data, and this was way before the internet was very fast. And uh, this was all stuff that you had to do. You would log on, download the data. It took over an hour to download all the data on all the stocks. There were a lot more stocks back in those days than there are today. But uh, at any rate, uh, it was a big process. And what I found were there were some things that did matter in the long run, and if you're going to make better than average returns in the long run, you're going to put in an enormous amount of work and uh, I mean an enormous and uh, now, fast forward to today, there are tons of funds out there that are are doing the same things that I did and they're looking at things like profitability, uh, sales growth, and momentum in the stock itself. There's bunches of variations on that theme, and have a tendency to work really well if you give it enough time. And uh, so, it was a long, hard experience, and uh, but it really helped me help me understand you know, how markets actually behave, and that's why when I'm telling you that hey, look, you put hundred thousand bucks. In a fixed indexed annuity, and it's going to generate seven hundred and fifty-one dollars, or fifty-four dollars a year for the rest of your life. Starting next year, we're going to give it one year and then turn the income on, and it's going to pay out until I die. That's the uh, that's a big deal. That is incredibly difficult to do. And uh, I'm not going to need the uh, income at that point. If I do take it, I'm just going to reinvest it anyway, uh, which I think is also a pretty good idea. I and mean, I got that idea I with some finance professor. He was, you know, People were asking him what he did, and um, that's what he did. He bought these annuities, and then instead of taking the income himself, he was reinvesting them back in stock funds, and uh, I thought that is hilarious. But uh, as I got older I started thinking about it, I was going, you know, that's actually a pretty good idea because if he really needed the income, he could stop doing the reinvestment. And if he doesn't need the income, he just keeps buying stock funds and he's dollar cost averaging and, and he's probably gonna build up another fortune doing that. So it was uh the bottom line is there's no one way to, to do any of this. Uh and I laugh all the time. I, I hear financial planning shows and everybody seems to know mm-hmm. the answer. And uh there is no
0: the answer.
2: There there's there's an answer for you. And uh, I try to emphasize that uh, on the text, in the text on my website. Everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's wired a little bit different. They're different there are different risk takers. Some people have really high risk tolerance, and they don't have a lot of knowledge, uh, which is challenging, you know, to, to work with. It, it's, uh, it, actually, it's more fun. But the, uh, uh, and then there are people that are too cautious and have saved in uh, a lot and could easily afford to get better returns by increasing their risk a little bit. And uh, and you just never know until you actually sit down and have a conversation about it. Now, when people come into my office, I'll show them a graph of large-cap stocks, small-cap stocks, mid-cap stocks, stocks all across the spectrum. And uh, okay, these are... Uh, All this data is from a third party. It's a research firm that I use quite often. And, uh, you know, this is the way it's been. doesn't mean it's going to repeat itself. It almost never does. It just gives you an idea of what the possibilities are. What are the possibilities? And what if I just took the top 50 stocks by size who uh, also ranked in the higher levels of, of profitability? So I want to take those two factors, and they're going to each count for a certain amount of weight in the model that I'm building. And I also want them to pay a dividend. Oh, and I want that dividend to have gone up here for the past five years. There's actually an ETF just like that, and it's pretty good. Uh, it's actually, if you go back far enough, it's got a better track record than the S&P 500. It was almost, you know, it's been almost impossible to beat over the last ten years. Uh, and I have a I know why. It's uh, not a good reason, <laughs> by the way, and I still am not going to abandon everything I'm doing uh, for that because when the turn comes, uh, it has a tendency to be a big one. When the S&P t- go down, goes down and has a really hard time, it has, it has a tendency to have a really hard time and can take a long time to get back to those long-term averages. Not that I don't think it will. When I look at all the things that are going on inside the economy, yeah, I think stocks probably make a whole lot of sense for an awful lot of money, especially if you've got a super long time horizon and you're fairly risk tolerant. Uh, if you're if you don't fit all those categories, well, you are probably going to need fixed income things like bonds, bond funds, um, fixed annuities. And uh, the actual combination really depends on you. It depends on how much risk you think you can handle. And so my opinion, just so you know, is that, which I know, I never try to enforce on anyone else, uh, on their personality. uh, Force it on their personality. But um, my opinion is that you sit down, you got to know yourself really well. I only have one question that's really hard for most people. And for a lot of people, it's not that hard. For me, it's not that hard, but I've been doing this forever. And the question that you need to ask yourself is, how much risk am I really willing to accept? In other words, if my portfolio is down, at what point do I start not sleeping well? Okay, So let's say if my portfolio is down by 15%, am I still sleeping well? Me, I'm sleeping wonderfully at that level. What if it's down by 30? Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm a little uptight. Uh, to be honest, I'm down 30%. I'm like, wow, you know, this is the, uh, this is not good, but it's probably not the end of the world either. Okay. If it goes down by 40%, I'm like, yeah, you know what? At that point in time, I'm going to be, uh, I will be upset. And it's probably going to affect my sleep at night. So I, I back off. I'm not going to go at, at 40% anymore. I'm going to go at 35. Uh, I figure between 30 and 40, I could take 35. If I'm down a third of my money, just slightly more than a third of my money, I know I'm still going to make that back. And I know I'm not spending, I'm not spending anything. So, uh, I'm not going to run out of money there. And, uh, and that's good. So that's where I'm at. As I like I could take a 35% hit. And wouldn't really bother me. I know that at some point in time, it's probably going to happen, um, and I'll be ready for it. And if it doesn't happen for, uh, let's say, five years from now, five years from now, I might feel like, well, I don't want to take the 35% hit anymore. Maybe I can, you know, I could probably take a 25. And I go, okay, so I put half my money in bond, and then the other half of my money I put in diversified stock portfolios. When I say diversified stock portfolios, I've people come in and say, "Look how good, look how well diversified I, I am," in are uh, in five stocks. <laughs> that, yeah, that's not diversified. That's not my definition of diversified. And I know uh, Kramer on CNBC is—I blame him for all that. You are diversified. No, you're not. <laughs> five stocks. There's no way you should have fifty percent of your money in five stocks. And a lot of people have hundred percent of their money in one or two stocks, which I think is really incredible. Uh, I've got to get a uh, get ready for a real quick commercial break here. This is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Feel free to reach out to me. My website is BullingtonCapital.com, and I will be right back after these messages. I'll never be more loved than I am right. Wasn't
3: holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you.
4: Cleveland's got guts And the Indians As well as the Browns and Cavaliers And
0: the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame
4: And a downright awesome downtown with a wallakadoodle-worthy waterfront
0: But what's even in our water?
4: Now I'm a guy and I've lived here all my life Neither hard water nor chlorine bother me a bit
0: well, I had Wyatt Works put in a whole home water filtration system It tastes better and showering is so much better My hair washes clean and stays healthier
4: and I've got a regular old water heater.
0: And I've got tankless for endless hot water.
4: So what's our point?
0: Our point is, Wyatt Works is Cleveland's answer for water heaters.
4: Well, if you're a regular guy and just want same-day water heater service, Wyatt Works does that.
0: And if you want a water softener or a filtration system and want to go tankless, we do that too.
4: So get your water
0: wallockadoodled with,
4: with Wyatt, Wyatt Works. Works. Consider
3: it done at WyattWorks.com license number three oh one eight five
4: you've heard the saying all good things come to an end well not always sometimes they just take a break that's what's happening with our lady of the wayside's car donation program after 24 years and ninety six thousand rides donated pretty amazing here's the story the car lots owners sold the property making it impossible for car donations to be accepted at this time According to The Wayside CEO Terry Davis, the next right steps will be determined and communicated soon, so stay tuned. In the meantime, Terry and the entire team at The Wayside thank you for your continued support of the 450 individuals with developmental disabilities in The Wayside's care. And please take note, you can still support them by making a donation at thewayside.org.
2: Well, welcome back This is Bill Bullington I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon And uh, that music didn't want to stop (laughs) But, uh, yes, so this is Bill Bullington I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon If you'd like more information on anything you hear about here Uh, You can go to my website and reach out to me there. There's a contact us page. You can also sign up for a newsletter. Um, I send it out about every other week. Uh, Sometimes I send it out uh, every week. depends on the articles that are being suggested. I pick from the articles and I uh, edit the text that goes into the letter portion of it. So uh, one of them was, I thought it was kind of interesting. I I go through this quite often uh, in my business. And it's when you're getting to that point that you're getting ready to turn over the control of your money to someone else, uh, like children uh, or maybe trustees if you have a trust. And that's, that would, the article kind of detailed. It's, a, uh, it, yeah, it'll probably take you, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes to read, but it, it goes through some things, uh, some other life stories of some other people and what they did and how they're looking at it, Uh, it is a good idea. And you probably should start talking about this in your 60s, at least your early 60s, and uh, maybe making some arrangements so that you don't have to feel rushed or panicked. Because the older you get, uh, the slower your brain gets, believe me. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm uh, suffering at all right now and I'm 60. Okay? But I actually, I do see some things. I, don't, I definitely don't learn as much about programming and computers as quickly as I did when I was in my 30s. That's never going to happen again. So I've already got all my stuff set up, and I've got a trust. I have a corporate trustee who's going to be a uh, co-trustee with one of my daughters, and uh, everything's Something happens to me. There's there're basically no questions as to how that's going to go, and uh, I did that because I'm in the industry. I've already I've had that plan in place for ten years, and uh, and and it's fine. Every once in a while, I'll get together with the attorney uh, to discuss if, if they think we need to make any make any changes, and uh, works out pretty well. And, and by the way, you do need an attorney to put together trust documents. And no, they're not cheap. But they're not cheap because they're worth it. Now, I'm telling you, uh, it's so much smoother when we have someone who uh, passes away uh, if they've had their stuff set up in a trust. It just uh, it makes it a lot easier on the family, uh, on the advisors, on everybody, because the instructions are already there. All you have to do is follow the instructions. And I think that that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And uh, you, you, incidentally, you can put those, the rules change constantly around estate planning and taxes. They're constantly changing, them. that's how the attorneys in a lot of tax accountants make their living. So, you know, they're a very necessary, very needed part of your financial planning businesses, and then your personal financial planning business in uh, business very, very necessary to have these guys and somebody that does it all the time rather than somebody that doesn't as a side, I'm not going to call it a side hustle, but sometimes you can get uh, lawyers that try to do too much. You know, They do family law, they do uh, divorce law, and those things would actually go pretty close to estate planning, but you'd want somebody, if you're doing your estate plan, you want somebody that. Does it spends at least half of their time doing estate planning uh, because it it changes every year and you know you make a mistake uh, the problem with making a mistake on on your estate plan is that you're no longer here to fix it when you need it so yeah got that off my chest (laughs) Uh, and yet if you hear something and we by the way we have conversations all the time. And uh, I can recommend people to you that I've worked with over the years that have been very helpful in that area In those areas. Um, a lot of them are pretty simple. You know, I, I have a ton of clients who basically just have beneficiaries on everything they have, and that's great. That's going to work well. Um, it'll uh, avoid probate. It'll be very cost-efficient, uh, uh, but I've got other people that, you know, they just can't do that. Um you know, if you have special needs children, you're going to have to set up your, well, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything in this country, uh, but you probably should take a look at setting up trusts to take care of those kids if, when you're no longer here to help them out. And uh, oftentimes we set up trusts to take care of ourselves, you know, so that our kids can step in and we're not going to be a burden on the kids. That's a big deal, too. So there are lots of reasons to do the estate planning. Um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. And that is one of the things that I I really wanted to talk about on today's show. And I didn't get a ton of time to talk about that, but uh, I got a few minutes left here. I see so many plans and so much stuff that's written about financial planning. and. So many people in our industry, I feel like they, they just want to make it more complicated than it needs to be, and I'm a big fan of Occam's Razor. That's the saying that the simplest solution is often the best, although I know that it can't always be that simple because you might have a complicated life, uh, which in, in this country is pretty common. Uh, but uh, so you still want to try to take a look at the simplest methodologies that you can use. And again, some of them are just some of them are not going to be simple. That's why we do have specialists in this country, uh, and there are a lot of good ones, especially in the Cleveland area. People are uh, really, uh, you know, well, I don't know what they think anymore. It's been a long time since I've had these conversations with uh, people. Uh, normally, we're just talking about. Their investment portfolios, and, and we have to move money. Um, I've had a couple clients pass away just in the last month, and that's one of the reasons I'm talking about this. And even though they had done some planning, uh, the, the planning wasn't actually finished, and you know it's it creates tension. It's not like we're going to not be able to get things done, and and that their wishes are not going to be. Um, uh, taken care of. It, they may not be taken care of in the fashion that they would have liked to have done it. So and I guess that's one of the reasons this has been heavily weighing on my mind is, uh, you know, it, it, you need to have these conversations with somebody and somebody like us is a good place to start. We cannot finish it for you um, in a lot of cases. If, if you're going to need a trust, I'll let you know. It'd probably be a good idea to talk to somebody about getting a trust. And uh, it may be, like, I one of well, this actually comes up fairly frequently. When people have been married more than once, you know, you might have to set up some special trust because you don't want to disinherit your spouse because, you know, uh, well, just because you're not there anymore. So you set up a trust with special provisions that, that provides income for a spouse until the spouse passes away, and, and then it goes to your beneficiaries, your your kids. Uh, that's a very common um, trust arrangement these days. Um, but you know, I I will tell you though, I I see more people ignoring that stuff than getting it done because it you know, a trust like that when you got two married couples and they have assets. Uh, together and apart, I mean, you're probably looking at somewhere between five and $10,000 uh, in legal fees because there's a lot of work to be done there. It's not just the healthcare power of attorney that you probably want to have. Uh, there are the uh, trust documents you need to set up, the wills that goes with those trusts, the pour-over wills that catch anything that you forgot to put in one of the trusts. You're going to have to have conversations with each other and the attorneys to, fight, to figure out who gets what and where that goes, and that's got to be put in writing. And it's not an easy process, but uh, and, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons that it doesn't get done a lot of time. And that's because it's fairly difficult. You have to make some decisions uh, that are going to have a big impact on your beneficiaries' lives. So nothing to take lightly. And uh, one of the reasons that we are uh, willing to help as much as we can. Uh, to talk about it, and I'll tell you that uh, oftentimes uh, we act as a uh, uh, an interpreter. I've looked at various trusts over my career, uh, or talked about the uh, the big pictures with people, and uh, basically come up with a, a plan. Hey, what do you want to? First of all, what do you want to have happen, and that can can that be done? Secondly, the, uh, okay, now that you have a pretty good idea of, of the plan, here, take this piece of paper or take this information to your lawyer uh, who's drawing up the trust and have that conversation with them. And feel free to have them call me if you feel like you're not uh, able to express yourself and, and figure out you know, or um, explain basically what you're trying to get done or accomplished. And uh, oftentimes, I've been to attorneys' offices with clients. You know, so it's just uh, it's one of those things. I guess I'm really thinking about it hard because it it, it's kind kind of unusual that you have two clients pass away within a week of one another. uh, And it was a lot of. I mean, there's still a little bit of work to be done. Uh, It was about a month ago, but uh, we've got most things already covered. But it is a lot. I mean, there's a lot to it. So, again, I would just say get an estate planning attorney. Try try to have a plan in place. um, Doesn't have to be... You can always change them, by the way, as long as you're alive. And I've got about uh, 30 seconds, I think, to the end of the show. So if you've heard anything on this show that you want more information on, feel free to go to my website. It's BullingtonCapital.com. There's a contact us page. Or you can call me in the office, 330-664-0700, 330-664-0700. Thanks for listening, and I will be back again next week.